Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome back inside the clubhouse right here on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. I'm David Haw, along with Bruce Levine, here until 11 o'clock as we are 52 weeks a year, talking baseball, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios where we have actual baseball to discuss. Finally, a thrilling opening day victory for the Cubs at Wrigley Field and an alarming loss for the White Sox up in Detroit. The Sox's concerns go beyond just losing their first game, though. Good morning, Bruce. How are you? Good morning, David. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, again, uh, when the baseball season starts, we have to kind of talk people down from up there, uh, way up high, you know, over the ledge because uh, uh, we're so used to, uh, you know, the start of a season and the trends, but uh, it wasn't a good start from the fact that they lost and that them being the White Sox yesterday and uh, possibly uh, lost another pitcher, which is uh, the alarming thing about the 2022 season and uh, the White Sox in particular, as far as uh, pitching position players and uh, injuries continue to mount. No doubt about that. Lucas Giolito leaving after four innings with an oblique strain, it appears. 61 pitches. He was dominant. He had everything going, and then he was gone. And that's a concern. We will continue to talk about that. Maybe that was your biggest takeaway from the Sox's opening day loss and first game of the season. What was it at Wrigley Field? Was it the fact the Cubs, one through nine, that balance in the batting order, they had everybody contribute just a little? Was it uh, the way David Robertson, who will be our guest at 930, came in to save the day and get his first save of the season? Let us know. 312-644-6767. What was your biggest impression of opening day for the Cubs and or the White Sox? Share your thoughts with us. Bruce, I think that when we talk about what the Cubs did, that's almost like takes it, it, was, it was impressive. It was welcome to see them play a, a, a winning baseball game. And yet, I think when you wake up this morning in Chicago, 
and you do what we do, the biggest news, the biggest headline is Giolito leaves with injury and the uncertainty that, that uh, comes with that reality. Yeah, I mean, look, we're, we're not going to predict a doom and gloom. Uh, you know, La Russa said that uh, Giolito took himself out uh, because of the fact that he felt something tough there and it wasn't right. Uh, you know, in the lower uh, to the side rib cage area. And uh, that's the good news. Uh, <clears throat> we don't know the rest of the news. They, they haven't given us a report. Uh, they, they did tests on him, I know, last night and this morning. We expect to uh, hear about Lucas Giolito's status. But, you know, just, uh, you know, the cautionary situation that's going on there. I mean, you look at the beginning of the year and you look at last year and the top three starters – from the Chicago White Sox last year, uh, our one is pitching in San Francisco, the other is on the IL for 60 days, and uh, the third, being Giolito, um, he had the injury yesterday after pitching four dominant innings where he looked like a world beater. Four innings, gave up one hit, struck out six, uh, just kept looking better and better. But again. Baseball 2022, David, is all about being able to go out there and compete and win for 162 and having enough people left on the, uh, on the, on the 28-man 20, roster right now, 26-man eventually, and 40-man roster to complete a, a season. The, we've talked about it at, uh, at length and ad nauseum probably, the idea that 24 days to prepare for a major league season is incredibly, uh, I don't know what word to use. You, you, give, you give me a word to use for uh, what, what normally is a six-week period to prepare for it, baseball. It's precarious. It is precarious, and it's fraught with peril, Bruce. <laughs> but I think it's just downright scary to some people because you're asking you know, professional athletes whose bodies are fine-tuned and they they take this this is their you know, they this is their instrument you know they have to worry about every little thing and you're compressing the amount of time that they are, need to get ready you're going to have situations like this arise with the White Sox it just seems as if as you described I mean with Lynn and Gilito being injured Garrett Crochet being out those are three big injuries to the White Sox we just don't know yet about Gilito we know the other guys and also. You don't have Carlos Rodon. You didn't really replace him. So all these grand ideas about what the White Sox can be, suddenly you start to rethink those because you see one injury after another. And, yeah, I, I would like to assign this to uh, and place it tidily under the category of you know too fast of a ramp-up period for spring training. I'm not sure. I, is this happening throughout baseball? Is this happening to other favorites? Is that as easy to do? as we suggest that it is, I, I'm not sure. It seems like the White Sox have a lot of injuries that they're dealing with to key guys that maybe other teams have yet to encounter. Yeah, and, it, and it's interesting. You know, the, the White Sox, the, you know, last year uh, let their strength and conditioning coach, uh, Alan Thomas, go after 25 years. And right. uh, they felt, uh, when talking to Alan, they felt that some of the injuries, uh, you know, you know, could have been attributed to uh, training. And uh, Allen uh, was treated very well by the White Sox. He was given a, a, a full-year contract uh, after uh, he was uh, not renewed this year. 
But, uh, you know, again, uh, these same injuries are cropping up. They cropped up last year. And, uh, you know, it's probably more bad luck than anything else. All right, Bruce, so I want to dig into Giolito in a moment, but I don't want to gloss over the other things that happened on Friday in Detroit because the White Sox were in a position to win that game despite losing Giolito when they did after four innings. Bullpen that we have routinely called, again, the best in baseball, let the Sox down on day one. You don't want to overreact, but let's face it, opening day games feel like three games wrapped into one, and we're going to have these you know, grand conclusions that we draw and form after nine innings, and, and it's not fair, but it is it is human nature. Aaron Bummer didn't have it. Liam Hendricks didn't have it. And the the ball that Javi Baez hit in the ninth inning that eventually was credited as a single, okay, generous single, A.J. Pollock should have had. I know he hasn't played right field. I know that he's not experienced out there, but isn't that a ball that he should have caught? Well, he thought he did, but uh, replays uh, denied it for him. And, and again, uh, you know, playing the angles out there, he's played a lot of left field. He's played a lot of center field. He has not played much right field. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a ball that maybe he, he should have caught. But, again, he's playing a new position. And uh, maybe, he, maybe it was one half step uh, that he didn't get to uh, that was the difference between catching the ball and the game being over. But, uh, you know, I, I think you have to go back to, uh, to Hendricks and to Bummer and, and the reality that uh, they just didn't have their good stuff. You know, right. they, they didn't I – mean, I mean, Hendricks – Hendricks said that he made some good pitches and that, uh, you know, there were some flares in there. And I, I agree with it. Look, Hendricks is as reliable as anybody in baseball last year. But uh, he, he had some wonky times early on in 2021 as well. So, again, getting used to pitching in, uh, you know, 40-degree weather and coming back to uh, to Chicago and playing in Detroit, uh, uh, it's not all so easy. These There's a human element involved in all of this, and it's called uh, being able to perform at, at your top level. And uh, unfortunately for the White Sox, it uh, just wasn't in the cards yesterday. Meanwhile, the other Hendricks in town, the Cubs ace Kyle Hendricks, on opening day, Bruce was dealing five and a third innings. He came out after uh, really having good command of that changeup. We talked about that yesterday in Mullion Hawk. He did not necessarily have the dominant fastball, but he never really needs that if he is controlling things as well as he did you know, the pace, and he just, everything seemed to slow down for Kyle Hendricks. Was that the biggest takeaway for you on the Cubs opening day victory uh, on Thursday, or was there something else that stood out? Well, I, I think, you know, it has to be with the starting pitching for the Cubs, if they're going to be competitive. And you can say that about all 30 teams, but we're, we're specifically talking White Sox and Cubs here on this station and on our show. And, and with Hendricks, it, it got away from him uh, last year, whether it was emotional, was it, whether it was physical, the emotional part being from the fact that everybody around that championship team was traded except for him and for uh, Hayward and for Contreras. And, and, and Contreras. So, you know, the, the idea that um, uh, it, it was a little bit uh, emotion, but also it was the fact that... Uh, his pitches just weren't as crisp. So he talked an awful lot uh, yesterday, uh, on, I'm sorry, uh, Thursday after the game, uh, talked a lot about uh, how the, the, uh, the curveball is playing now and how, more importantly, the, uh, the changeup has a lot more bite on it. And, and he's not, uh, not afraid to continue to, uh, 
to repeat the, the change-up, as you saw in a lot of at-bats yesterday, because the movement is so good and the, the ability for the hitter to keep up with the, not only the 80-mile-an-hour the, the change-up, but the, the bite on it, which is so significant right now. Uh, he just had great command with it, and, and, and it was, it's going to have to be something that him and Stroman and eventually Miley, when he comes back, these veterans are going to have to uh, be able to do that uh, in order for them to be competitive this year. Justin Steele goes for the Cubs today after yesterday's postponement against Brandon Woodruff. The pregame here on the score at 1245 begins the White Sox. Dylan Cease, Casey Mize begins around noon in Detroit. Bruce, uh, and we're going to have David Robertson, who closed out the first victory for the Cubs. That's at the bottom of the hour, 930. We'll talk about Wilson Contreras and what Jed Hoyer had to say. That was very interesting pregame. We'll talk about that as well today. But let, let's go back to the Lucas Giolito injury because of the uncertainty that creates, and we just don't know what to expect moving forward. But coming into this season, Bruce, Lucas Giolito had added, I think notably, 20 pounds of bulk in the offseason, and he was on our, our station on uh, Thursday, I believe, with the, on the Parkinson Spiegel Show talking about uh, how that conditioning regimen, how that uh, off-season, even with the compressed spring training, made him feel like he was coming into this season as as prepared physically as he ever had been. You know, I think I came into camp in very good shape, had worked on a lot of stuff, but, you know, thinking to the future, it's like, okay, next off-season, what, what, uh, what can I bring to the table next camp? But we got a long way to go before that. Let's we focus on the season first. Focus on the season first. Bruce, are you looking at the different offseason that Lucas Giolito experienced in terms of adding the bulk as a potential contributor to the injury, or you just is it is it too early to, to form any kind of conclusion or, or speculation? Yeah, I'm not playing the doctor on the radio today. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's a fair question. It's a good question. And one that'll be uh, be knocked around quite a bit when we see, you know, hopefully this is not a serious thing, and uh, and Giolito is only going to miss a short amount of time. Uh, I precautionary. I, I I don't know. You know, once they get a determination, we'll get a better idea if he's going to miss any time or not. But uh, you know, the reality is is that uh, he pitched great in spring training. Uh, he was dominant in the four innings that he pitched yesterday, David. Uh, you know, it's it's clear that uh, you know it's a it's a different body. Uh, adding adding the muscle there, you know, I don't I don't know, um, you know, how his body's responding. It's it's really difficult to uh, take him to task or uh, you know any of his training to task at this point before we know a determination. I'm not taking anybody to task, and, and I don't want that to come across the wrong way. I, I think professional athletes know their bodies better than anybody, and if he felt like he needed to add that muscle to make him a better pitcher then and, and have his career last longer or go on a different path, terrific. He has every right to do that. I guess I'm just wondering, like a lot of people – might speculate when you see somebody who is physically different. I mean, Lucas Giolito, they had the they had the shots and the angles yesterday in NBC Sports Chicago and, and commented on how different he looked and appeared. It's, it's inevitable that you're going to wonder after leaving with an oblique strain, something that is, you know, it's, it's a very tricky injury. 
it's a very it's a very hard thing to 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 speculate and to project how long that's going to keep him out but he has every right to do what he wants and to come in as, as great of a shape as he as he wanted to and this is also what he had to say in the Parkinson Spiegel show just about adding that muscle to his body it was kind of something on my mind at the end of the year the last few years I've, I've dealt with some little minor things in my legs some hamstring pulls things like that and or it was like within the first week of the offseason I call up my offseason trainer but shout him out Matt Uhara guy's a go. wizard I called him up and I'm like what can we do so that I can be more stable more strong stay healthy and along with that you know achieve that consistency that I'm searching for and uh, one of the first things he suggested was, you know, let's lift a little heavier. Let's get a little bit bigger. And I kind of bought into that. And I feel like uh, the results have been pretty good so far. I mean, we'll see how the season goes, but I feel pretty good about where my body's at. We'll find out later today what, what may, may be next for Lucas Giolito. Also, Yohan Mancada, uh, three weeks um, expected to miss with an oblique injury bruce as you pointed out these soft tissue injuries these kind of things might be related to a quick ramp up in spring training or not i i don't know how to interpret these but it is it is too bad for the white Sox because the expectations are high they're high uh you know thankfully they're pretty deep but that depth that they have david is being challenged already at the beginning of the season here. I mean, uh, you know, you see new names, you know, in the uh, in the bullpen right now, you know, guys that are, are having to step up. You know, you see names uh, like Crick and Sousa. And, uh, you know, these are foreign names to, uh, to White Sox fans. Uh, they were already in the game yesterday and uh, pitched uh, pretty well. Sousa pitched pretty well. So uh, from, from, from all that, and he's a left-hander. They needed left-handed help, you know, after Crochet went down. So, you know, there are, there are a lot of things, you know, off of the not only the first game, but uh, just the end of spring training that are concerning White Sox fans. And uh, we would like to hear from you as well, 312-644-6767. What concerns you, White Sox fans, about this team? What concerns you, Cub fans, about uh, the beginning of this year? Uh, what are the good things that you see from your clubs going in. Bruce, do you know if there were any concerns uh, about Lucas Giolito from the Sox perspective about adding the kind of muscle that he talked about adding and being, you know, a point of emphasis in his offseason training? Because, you know, you look around other sports and certainly if a, if a defensive back comes, comes back for the Bears and he's added 15 pounds of muscle, you notice it um, and you understand it. And certainly other kind of, Maybe even even power hitters, outfielders. I, I maybe they reshape their body. I don't recall pitchers doing this because of how finely tuned and how careful they have to be about every little thing. I just I was surprised when Lucas Giolito came back as bulked up as he was. Well, again, we, you have a situation where they couldn't look at him for three months. I mean, you know, because of the lockout, December, January, February, all of a sudden he marches in uh, in March and uh, there's there's a brand new uh, Lucas Giolito for you. You know, he's bigger, he's stronger. Um, nothing uh, in his preparation during spring training as I talked to him and as the management and the coaches and the medical staff talked to him, nothing held him back. He was uh, 
he was a horse. He was ready to go. He was ready to work. He had no uh, glitches whatsoever. So, again, these these type of things crop up, you know, um, from time to time. These injuries, no matter how strong you are or how much you prepared, you know, some of these injuries can can just happen. But again, uh, attaching it to his program right now, I guess, a little premature. But certainly, something that you know that is worthy of talking about at this point. Yeah, I think that is it is premature. I, I, I'll accept that. I, I just think that uh, you, you do wonder based on yesterday was going so well. I think that's the other thing is that yesterday he started out so strong and you wondered how, okay, right. he's going to go five, he's going to turn it over to the bullpen and everything is going to go according to plan. But it seems like, you know, this season, I think the Sox had a tough, tough uh, open to last season as well with Liam Hendricks. The bullpen didn't do its job and had the bullpen come through Maybe this is a different tenor of the conversation. But um, we will continue to talk White Sox. We will continue to look at what the Cubs did on opening day because David Robertson was a big part of why they came away with a victory and why they started the season 1-0. and And we will talk to David Robertson here on Inside the Clubhouse when we come back. Bruce Levine, David Haw here until 11 o'clock. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back Inside the Clubhouse. David Haw, Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Talking Cubs, they are 1 0, the first place Cubs, I should say, Bruce, after a 5 4 opening day victory on Thursday over the Milwaukee Brewers. A lot to like in that game. Offensively, Ian Happ came through. Offensively, Nico Horner with the home run. But it was a bullpen. I mean, the bullpen definitely did its job after Kyle Hendricks stepped aside five and a third strong. He gave up only one earned run, and then the rest of it was, you know, five relievers doing their jobs, respectively closing out with David Robertson, who gets his first save of the season. That was a good day for the Cubs' bullpen. Yeah, it was, and uh, a long time in between saves for Robbie. We expect to talk to him uh, here very soon. The uh, fact that uh, this guy's had a, uh, a, a an interesting career, to say the least. You know, you know, starting out in 2009, being out for a year and a half. You know, we'll get into that with Robbie, but uh, just the way that David Ross is going to use his bullpen and use his position players, it's almost. You, you get the feel from some of the things that he talked about yesterday that uh, looking at the first three weeks of the season, uh, Ross, I mean, as extended spring training. In other words, uh, not not overloading people uh, with time, not giving a specific roles out to people, but just slow rolling it to make sure that they get through the first three weeks of the season in a healthy way. It's time now to go out to the SCORE guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, and that is where we find the Cubs closer. We were just speaking about David Robertson. David, welcome to the SCORE, and hey, happy birthday. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us this morning. Congratulations on the first save of the season. Obviously, it only took you 14 pitches. You got your three outs, and you did your job. Uh, overall, how would you just describe your approach to to this season and what uh, what you will remember and enjoyed most about opening day? 
Uh, well, I'm just glad we got to play on opening day and it wasn't snowing. I've been here in Chicago before and it'd be just <laughs> miserable. And I thought it was, a, I thought it was a beautiful day, you know, a little, little rainy, but I've been in worse. Um, it, it was fun. Um, it was a good group of guys. I didn't know if I was going to be getting the save. I thought, uh, it was probably gonna go to Gibbons, but he came in and, and cleaned up that eight right before. So, uh, none of us have had our up downs in spring because of such a shortened, uh, time constriction. So, you know, after he threw and the phone rang, well, I was like, well, it's probably going to be me. And so go out there and do my job. Yeah. Hey, David, uh, again, happy birthday to you. Uh, you know, you're not uh, 29 every day. So uh, <laughs> congratulations. And uh, thank you. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I just, uh, you know, it's it's still that kind of getting to know you team, not not for the fans necessarily for, of the Cubs, but uh, and, and it will be for them. But you guys in that in that clubhouse, I mean, the almost an entire bullpen came from somewhere else uh, it, within a week or ten days of of getting people signed, and uh, just uh, twenty four yeah. days to get ready and and then get to know teammates. How how has that been, and how odd is was all that? The, the well. Spring was it's, – it, it's definitely different. I mean, I think well, we have 14 free agents signed onto the team this year, um, you know, me being one of them. And uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good mix of, of young and, and veteran players. Uh, we were all kind of thrown together very quickly, and, and from the time we got into camp, games were already going on. So there's not, that, there's not that break-in period where you get to go and mingle and goof off on the backfield and, like, have conversations and, and team meetings and stuff. We didn't really get to, to have that happen this spring um you know my spring was shortened even more i left for four days my wife had our, our third child so i came back and then i was like there, i feel like there's new faces in the clubhouse and some had left and i was just uh just trying to do my best to get to know all the young guys and everyone that's going to be be with us this season um uh but it's it's definitely it's definitely a different spring um next year ought to be a little bit longer <laughs> Well, David, congratulations on that too, as well. You've had quite a month, uh, birthday today, and celebrating the birth of your third child last month. And you come to the Cubs, and I think, obviously, you, the back of your baseball card speaks for itself. 137 career saves. You are a guy that likes the ninth inning and knows what comes with that. But I found it interesting. You didn't necessarily require that or demand that. You just came in here ready to pitch wherever they asked. Is, was that the mindset coming in? And why the Cubs? Uh, I, you know, I think the Cubs were just a good fit for me. It was, it was a good spot. Um, I've always liked Chicago. Um, I tried to play in the National League a few years ago and ended up hurting my elbow and then had to work my way back in. And then I think, um, you know, as far as as far as far pitching in the ninth inning, like I, I don't really care. I, I'll throw whenever they ask me to. I'm going to bring the best stuff I've got on, on that day in, into the game with me. So, I, you know, if it's the sixth, seventh, or eighth, I'd – it doesn't matter to me. I'm, I'm I'm just getting in there and trying to get out. So I I try not to overthink it too much. If, if my job is to go out there and, and pass the ball to the next guy, then that's what I'm going to do. If I'm if I'm the the last guy who gets the ball, then by God, I'm going to do the same thing I would be trying to do in the innings earlier. I just I try not to overthink the situation. Throw strikes, work fast, and get out. Uh, get the guys back in the dugout to hit. David Robertson, our guest, for a few more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse with you every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year. David Hall, Bruce Levine, talking baseball Chicago style. And uh, David, when uh, when you look at yourself right now, if, if someone was asking you, what is the difference between David Robertson, 2009, David Robertson 
in 2022. How would, how would you size up stuff and approach compared to where you were when you started out? Uh, well, I would say, um, you know, I've got a new elbow now, so it doesn't hurt when I throw the ball, which is nice. Um, uh, <laughs> it, it helps a lot, I'll tell you that. I think my velocity uh, on my fastball and stuff is probably pretty close to the same. You know, I might be down a tick or so, but uh, I'm also 37 and not, not 28 years old anymore. Um, uh, but, I, you know, I feel like I've got a lot of experience and I kind of have a lot more of understanding of what what's going on in the game. I try to use that knowledge that I've, I've gained over years of pitching and, and, and put it to good use when I'm out there in the game. Um, but, I, you know, I, I physically I feel great. I, I don't think too much has changed. You know, I think other guys around me have just started throwing the ball way harder, and it makes it look like I throw soft. But, I mean, I've pretty much stayed very similar to what I've been the whole my whole career. You know, I didn't know everyone was going to start throwing 100. <laughs> you, you know, David, I'm curious <laughs> because – Coming up with the Yankees and having all those great years in in New York, and obviously that was a couple seasons that you you went head to head against the the Red Sox and David Ross was a big part of of the 2013 2014 Red Sox. What was your relationship like with him as an opponent, and how has that evolved now that you are playing for him when he's your manager? Well, let me start first as a, as a manager. He seems great. I've you know we've been around each other for a couple of weeks and. I, I love the way he runs things. It's been it's been great. He's been wide open. Tells us everything we need to know, and, and that's that's all you can ask for in a manager. Um, when I played against Rossi, I to be honest with you, I don't really remember because I try not to over I try not to overthink things. I, if, if he's in the box, I've got to get him out. I don't I don't I try not to overthink it, even if he's my best friend. Like I'm, I've got to do what I've got to do, and then after the game, we can talk and be friends. But I, I didn't really know Rossi other than an opponent at that point. Um, uh, you know, he was part of the Red Sox. I was part of the Yankees. We're trying to beat them. He's in our in our way of of winning. So that was the kind of the way I looked at it. And uh, but I'm excited to be a part of the squad. And he seems like a great manager, and so far so good. Robbie, uh, you know, thrown to two new catchers. Uh, how does that impact your game? What What are your impressions of uh, Contreras and Gomes as as it's gone early in spring into the beginning of the season here? They're they are both very solid back there. Um, you know, seeing them both across the lines and, and you know playing against them and, and now being being on the team with them, they're both as good as as you saw on the other side. Um, I think you know the biggest thing is going to be uh, just trying to be pitch selection. I love how we had a you know quick meeting and Wilson told us just to to if you don't like basically he basically in short terms he said if you don't like what I'm putting down, shake me and go to what you have you have conviction to throw. And uh, I think that that's speaks volumes about him that he doesn't have that that ego to, to get angry when someone shakes him so I think you know that's going to be the biggest thing going forward is figuring out he's going to learn what I like to throw in situations and uh and I'm going to have to learn to trust him at times when I think that he's right and I'm wrong um, it's just kind of that dynamic of going back and forth and pitching in the game with 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 these guys it just takes a little bit of time to get used to each other and uh that that, that progress will happen throughout the season David, as somebody with your experience, I'm curious to see what you think about this trend this season. That obviously the pitch com and the wristbands and the ability for pitchers and catchers to communicate that way, rather than the traditional way of putting down signs. I don't believe the Cubs have incorporated that yet. I wonder if there's going to be further discussions. And and just from somebody who is, you know, been around for a very long time, how how you think this is going, and and what you think the pros and cons of such a system will be. 
Uh, you, you know, what's funny is, is when I left, when we had our baby, I, I flew back to Rhode Island and, and I missed, I guess, when they brought those comms into the clubhouse. So I'm actually kind of interested to see how those work. Um, I noticed that the starter for the Brewers was using it. Um, and I, I just needed, I, w- I would, I would actually like to try it. I think it might be a quicker way to speed up the game. If it's that easy for him just to push a button and me to be able to hear what pitch he wants thrown. I think that that's, 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 it could be very helpful, especially with all the sign stealing and everything that's been going on in the past that I've, I've had to deal with. Um, I'm I'm not against that as one of the things coming in because I feel like it's one of those one of those those few things that you could probably add into the game that's going to speed it up and make it easier for the pitchers and catchers to to be on the same page. Because uh, gosh, you don't want that catcher and you on the not on the same page and you rear back and throw something 92 miles an hour at him. He does he thinks a curveball's coming. I mean, it's very hard to catch that to catch the ball coming out of our hand that, that fast, and you'd hate for someone to get crossed up and hurt, or even an umpire to get hit. So, I think that being on the same page and having not having to worry so much about signals with the runners on second base could be a positive. I'm I'm very interested to try it and see if it'll work. Uh, taking it a step further, David, uh, what do you think about uh, the rule changes for next year? The idea that pitchers are going to have to throw within 15 seconds. With that, with no men on base, uh, up I think 18 seconds with a man on base, and the defensive shifts uh, going back to beat people being in their same positions, not being in the outfield. How, how impactful do you think uh, those those rules will be toward pitchers? Um, I'm excited about them not being able to shift anymore. Um, I think that that's going to bring a lot more of the baseball field back to baseball. Um, as far as the pitch clock. Uh, Jeez, I mean, it's baseball, so whatever. If they want to put a clock on it and just keep turning the game another direction, that's fine. I mean, we'll, we'll all go out there and try to do it. It'll turn into a debacle, and it'll be what it's going to be. I mean, some people some people are going to be perfectly fine with it. You know, the guys like Chris Sale and John Danks could pitch through it and, and not even have a – probably throw the ball within five seconds of getting it back. I, I just don't think – I don't know how it's going to play out. It, it'll, only time will tell. Um <laughs> I'm sure right. it'll be a big fight as far as you hitters. <laughs> right. I mean, as a player, do you concern yourself with the fan? Uh, I'm sure you're you're concerned about the the pace of the game as far as whether it's exciting or not. But you you've been involved in playing in it. Do you do you really do you really feel um, fans need an experience that that takes place within? Two and a half to two uh, two hours and forty five minutes to keep their attention to keep the game exciting and moving along. What 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 are your thoughts on that? I don't think so. Um, I mean, obviously, there's there's times where games lag and stuff. Um, I think putting the DH into the National League is going to make the game go longer. Um, but I, 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 there's you know, baseball is a slow game. It's played slow, and the action happens very quickly and fast. It, it's a it's a it's a slow moving game um i i don't i don't know if if you know you can try all these things to speed up the game of baseball it's just it's hard to do that there's not one thing you can put your finger on that's going to speed up the game and make a huge difference so i I don't know what to do on it i think it's been played the same way for a long time and it doesn't need a lot of change before we let you go, I was curious yesterday before the game was postponed, it was on our morning show, and I wondered if the Cubs had a lead, if they would go back to you in the ninth inning on back-to-back days. Do, 
are there any restrictions on doing that? Do, is it because of maybe a short ramp up? Maybe teams and managers will be more cautious in going to relief pitchers, closers specifically on back-to-back days, or are you ready and open for business anytime you're in the bullpen? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I probably could have used the day off yesterday, which I'm glad we got it. Um, I mean, that was my third outing. Right. Uh, so it's, it's definitely very quick on us. Um, you know, I think that, that Rossi kind of had it planned for us to get the day off, but I, I don't know that per se. I, I would have been ready to go, but I mean, obviously I'll take days off when I can get them, um, especially this early in the season. But I, I, I think as time goes on, you'll see, you know, when guys get a few more outings under their belt and get time to, to get in their routine and their program of throwing, that, that you'll see back-to-back days happening. Um, it's just it's, – it's, it seems very rushed right now. David, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck this season, and have a very happy birthday. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Robbie. David Robertson, the Cubs closer, turns 37 today, Bruce. He was uh, – came through on opening day. He's a guy that you'd like to have in your bullpen because of, number one, he's got, as you could hear, the right mentality. Just give me the ball. I don't care what inning it is. I want to help help my team win. And, and also, he just has a temperament and the experience that you welcome in any clubhouse. Yeah, well, you know, 14 years in the big leagues. He missed one uh, because of Tommy John. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I talked to him a little bit yesterday, and I said uh, – it's, it's pretty cool that you and your wife really refuse to uh, look at the numerical part of your you know, lives. And you're, you're still having babies. You're still pitching in baseball after 14 or 15 years in the big leagues. Uh, you know, you guys are defying time and age and just uh, enjoying life. And he said, well, that's, that's how we roll. And we, you know, we've been lucky to have uh, enough health to do it all. And, uh, you know, he's just a very refreshing guy. Robbie's a terrific guy. I got to know him when he was with the White Sox for three years. And, uh, you know, just a, a guy that just loves playing the game. And uh, I, I think, you know, the essence of what a ball player is all about. And he enjoys throwing to Wilson Contreras, as he mentioned in Bruce. There was quite the conversation pregame uh, from Jed Hoyer. And, and you talked to him. I was there. Let's talk about Wilson Contreras are the Cubs playing a dangerous game by taking him to arbitration, by, by not uh, assigning him to a one-year deal? What is next for Wilson Contreras and the Cubs when we come back? Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. We had a bunch of guys that were into the season last year as free agents. It's not something that's new to us. Um, you know, we've got a good relationship with Wilson. Obviously, you know, if we if we do start talking about a deal in season, you know, we, we're not going to talk about it publicly. But um, I, nothing nothing different. You know, we're excited to have him. He's I think he's a you know, tremendously talented catcher, and you know, we'll sort of see where that goes. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, six seven to four. David Hoffman's behind until eleven o'clock. That was Jed Hoyer. On opening day, Thursday, talking about the impasse that the Cubs find themselves in with Wilson Contreras, their catcher, maybe arguably their best player, and they are apart. The Cubs have offered $9 million. Contreras wants 10.25, so they ha- will head to an arbitration hearing, Bruce. And as we discussed on Mullen Haw, and as this the, this lingers on, I think the Bear, I think the Cubs are, are playing. A dangerous game here with Wilson Contreras. I don't think it bodes well for his future. Why do you think it's gotten to this point, and where is it headed? 
Well, negotiations, David, are a two-way street. We do not know uh, offers that the Cubs have made to him. Uh, we know that uh, they haven't gotten to this point uh, as far as a long-term deal. Um, when I talked to uh, Contreras at the end of spring training, I said, "Have did you ever feel that uh, you your sides were close to getting a deal done? And he said, you know, to be honest, no. You know, that, that they've never felt that uh, they were close to a long-term contract. So, um, you know, listening to uh, Hoyer's words uh, from Thursday that we just did, it's obvious uh, that uh, he's an integral part of the team. But the question is, for how long? Right. Is it an early season trade? Is it a uh, trade in July? Is it a negotiation, as uh, <clears throat> Hoyer said he didn't rule out, uh, that 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 brings a long-term contract? They, they do have Gomes signed for this year and next year as fortification. But, um, you know, doesn't Contreras at age 30 still fit with the Cubs and uh, they're developing a, a young pitching staff as they move along from this season into next and the year after. I, I, I would say, I would say yes. I would agree. I think he's an essential piece, Bruce. Miguel Amaya is not ready yet coming back from an injury, the young catcher in the system. And I think that Jed Hoyer did say it does, this will have nothing to do with the long-term negotiations. We'll wait and see about that. My question also would be then Bruce, you know, your experience, you've covered a lot of Cubs and Sox teams, just covered a lot of baseball. How unusual is it to take an arbitration hearing into the season with a player this key to your fortunes? Well, it's never been done before. I mean, arbitration has never gone into the regular season. Uh, arbitration normally is set for the uh, uh, third week of February. Uh, all those cases are heard within 10 days. Uh, and uh, it, it's... Uh, a spring training story. It's never, to my knowledge, in the history of baseball, may, maybe one of the lockouts or strikes back in the 80s or 90s uh, that I might have missed, but arbitration's never gone into the regular season. And that is that creates a, a lot of uh, extra anxiety because, you know, a guy's going to have to go for a hearing to talk to the team about his performance of the previous year, basically, not from what he's doing right now, and it's going to uh, it's going to really uh, you know deal with his right now and what he's doing for the team. So it's right. it's a bad situation. It's bad to go there, but uh, unfortunately, that is going to be the case. Uh, Hoyer said that there there there's not going to be a settlement at this point. To his credit, though, it did not affect Wilson Contreras's intensity or approach on day one. Not only did he catch Kyle Hendricks and handle that staff as well as he did, but he was in the middle of another eh, mini-controversy. The Brewers hit him again. He, they hit him four times last year. He, he, he obviously remembers. And, and Bruce, is how, how did you view that with Wilson Contreras being hit? I think it was by Cousins, and then he ends up uh, kind of, you know, a little kerfuffle there. Yeah, I think we could segue that into our uh, the next top of the hour segment because I think it it warrants more than just a minute of conversation, David. Uh, you know, just the the idea that the guy has been hit as many times as he did, and uh, you know, it, it's is it uh, is it uh, is it real? Is it uh, just one of those circumstances? I think we'll talk a little bit more and a lot more of that in our next segment, top of the hour. That is a tease, and when we come back, we will talk about what that means for Wilson Contreras, what the Cubs do to respond. Also, 
White Sox with a lot of issues, whether it's Lucas Giolito, Yoan Mankata. Oh, goodness sakes, the list is much longer than you want it to be after one game into the 2022 season. Join us next inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.